So this morning we are beginning this new series in a new year, a series that I'm going to call All In, and I'll explain what that's about as we get into this a little bit. Because in the new year, here's what, here's what often happens, right? That many of us and many people in our world sort of make this list of uh, resolutions, right? Uh, beginning a new year, and I'm going to begin maybe a few new habits that, that will start with the new year. It's that time of year when we think about new beginnings and what that may look like and how we may do that together. And, and some of those things... I. I mean, some of those things seem rather obvious because people do that all the time, right? I'm, it's a new year, so I'm going to make resolutions for things like I'm going to maybe eat a little bit healthier or I'm going to exercise a little more often, right? Or, or maybe resolutions like I'm going to spend more time with friends and family or I'm going to read more books. But we have these ideals in front of us of things that we long for, for our lives to improve in some way. And it seems like New Year's is when we highlight some of those things. But here's what also happens at New Year's, that there's sort of this reputation that resolutions don't last, right? That you, you make these commitments for some of these things that you want to engage and start doing in the new year, and they don't always seem to go very far. And with good reason, there, there's research and data to support this, especially if you have a gym membership. So if you've, if you've been to gyms and you know how gyms and that pattern goes, maybe you know that in January, all of a sudden the gyms are busier. There's a whole lot more people there. And about February, it starts to taper off again, and by the end of February, it's all the same people that were always there. That's because people make those resolutions. I'm going to start something fresh and new. And they get on doing that, but a few months later, it's gone, right? It seems to have this up and down pattern to it. So as we think about that, though, let's think about that in terms of faith. And, and that's what I want us to consider in this series, being all in with faith, all in in a way that commits ourselves to God. But then... With some honesty, knowing how, you know what? We are people who make commitments like that, but how do we stick with it? How do we keep something like that going? How do we take that further in a way that, that is sustainable in our lives? I think it would be helpful for us to look at some examples from the Old Testament, and that's what I'm going to do in this series. So every week we're going to look at a different character in the Old Testament and consider and examine how this person's faith is all in. If you've heard that term before, it's a card-playing term, right? Maybe you hear it out of Las Vegas, that, that those who play cards, poker, that when you're, when you're betting on a poker hand and you've got a really good hand that you bet everything. It's all in. I'm putting everything in on this. I am banking everything that I have on this one hand that I've been dealt. So let's consider how these examples from the Old Testament saw what it is that God had dealt to them in their lives and said, you know what? I'm all in. I'm putting everything in my life on this faith that I have in this God who's been revealed to me. That's what we'll consider in this series. Starting off with Abram. So I'm going to begin with just a few verses that come from Genesis chapter 12 that talk about Abram or 
Abraham, as his name is changed by God a little bit later on. But at this point, it's when we first meet him. So he's still called Abram. Genesis 12, the first nine verses, this is what it says. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and all the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward Negev. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Abram. Abram, a guy who was all in, in some sense. Let's consider what that looks like and what that means, especially looking at how this starts out, because this, this is the passage where we first meet Abram. Right? His, his family tree is introduced just before chapter 11, so you figure out who his father is and his brothers and that kind of a thing, but... Here in these first verses of Genesis chapter 12 is the first time that we see Abram acting when he shows up. And it comes in a way where, did you notice in these, in these verses, in this passage, Abram actually doesn't say anything, right? We, we don't know what his actual thought process might have been about this. We just know what God says, because that's really what's happening in these first verses of chapter 12. It's God who's making the directions here. Abram, this is what I want you to do. This is where I want you to go. This is the promise that I'm giving to you. And it begins with some of that, with some of those promises, right? That's how we see this unfolding in Abram's life, that it starts with promises that God makes to Abram. Two things in particular that we saw in this passage. That first of all, God promises to Abram, you're going to be a great nation, right? I'm going to bless you and all nations on the earth will be blessed through you. And then a little bit later on, when Abram arrives in Canaan, a second promise. I'm going to give this land to you. Everything you see here, this is going to be the possession of your offspring, your descendants. So it begins with that, those few promises that come through that. That's how Abram comes into this. If you, uh, if you can picture how this goes, let me see if I can help you out with this. So Abram began in this place called Terah, uh, or where his father Terah lived, where it was Ur of the Chaldeans, way over by where the Tigris and the Euphrates River come. Then Abram travels with his father and his father's family, and they get as far as Haran. That's where his father stops and they settle there. After his father passes away, the family all stays there, but that's where it picks up with what I read today. 
That's where Abram is. He's in Haran, and God comes to him and says, I want you to go to the land I'm going to show you. The land of Israel, the land of Canaan. So Abram goes. He's never been there before. He doesn't know what it looks like. It's not like he has travel brochures or or can consult Google Maps or do any of that kind of a thing. In fact, in the passage, God doesn't even really tell him exactly where. Did you catch that? God says, I want you to go to the land I'm going to show you. Doesn't even tell him exactly where the destination is, but he goes. So Abram goes. And that's all we read in that passage. So Abram went. That's the only detail we get. Now, I suppose we can imagine what it might be to fill in the blanks around that. How did Abram respond to this? Did he just get up the next day and say to his wife Sarai, and all right, guess what? We're moving on. Where are we going? Well, I'm not sure, but I'm sure God will let us know when we get there. How did they take that? Did, did Abram think about this a while? Did he toss and did, did he make some kind of a flow chart with a timeline? Did he put up together this pros and cons list and weigh this out? You know what? These are kind of the things we do in our head, right? Whenever you and I are faced with these giant, life-changing kinds of choices, don't we try to plan that out a little bit, at least? Figure out exactly where this is going to go. What are all the possible directions this could be? I'll make my little pros and cons chart and weigh this one out and figure out the best way. We don't know how Abram handled this because the only thing it tells us in Genesis is, so he went. He obeyed. He listened. Maybe he went through all those steps. Maybe he didn't. But he obeyed. He went. Then we just sort of have to fill in the gaps. Now, you don't have to get too much further into Genesis to start filling in some of these gaps. Because even though Abram does not say a word in these first nine verses that we read, If you keep reading in chapter 12, where Abraham does begin to speak, you know what the very first thing Abram says? The first words in the Bible that that the Bible records that Abram says? It's a lie. The first line that Abram says when we finally hear him speak is to tell his wife Sarai, tell all these people you're my sister, not my wife, because I'm afraid. I'm scared. The first time Abram opens his mouth to speak, it's because he's frightened and he's telling the people around him to lie. That still happens in chapter 12. In fact, it's right after where we stopped reading that there's a famine in Canaan. So Abram takes his entire family and he keeps moving on a little bit further to Egypt, right? He's headed that way keeps moving on to Egypt, and when he's in Egypt, that's where he says to his wife, Sarah, don't tell anyone here that you're married to me, because if you do, my life is in trouble. Just make up a lie. Tell them you're my sister. That's where we first see Abram speak. And it goes on from there. You know, it takes place right here in chapter 12, but, and you might think, okay, we'll, we'll allow him 
one of these little slip-ups, right? Okay, so he does that once. Big deal. He'll get past it. No. If you go ahead to Genesis 20, he does the exact same thing again. Exactly the same thing again. Not in Egypt this time, but in another place with another king in another land. The exact same lie. Tell them that you're my sister, right? not my wife. He doesn't really figure that out. He doesn't learn. But each time God comes and bails him out in that. So it starts with what we see there in Genesis 12 where Abram's faith, I don't know, it doesn't seem to be that all-in kind of picture that, that maybe we're presented in some ways. In the New Testament, in, the chapter, uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews is where you see this list of these heroes of faith, right, that come before us. And out of those heroes of faith, Abram is on that list. And he's prominent on that list. Heroes of the faith, those that we look up to. He's a legend in Israel's history, right? He was, he was the first one. Father Abraham, from whom the entire nation comes. Everyone patterned in some way their walk with God after how Abram walked with God. But, but the story here seems to be one in which Abram's faith had some shaky moments. At least that's what we're reading, right? Where he lies about his family and about who he is. God makes a promise to Abram that he will have offspring, children. But he's an old man and has no children. So at some point, Genesis 16, he takes matters into his own hands with his wife and they say, you know what, let's, let's take this slave girl that they had from Egypt and, and let's try to make a family through her. It's not what God had promised, but they thought, well, we need to take care of this ourselves in some way. I know God promised us these things, but, but I don't exactly see it happening the way I expect it, so I'm just going to step in and try to make this work on my terms, in our way. You see those examples in Abram's life. Examples that would lead us to believe and to see and know that Abram in his faith, Abram's faith is not always linear. Not always linear. Let me explain what I, what I mean by that. That sometimes when we think of a life of faith, what it means for us to have faith in God, that we picture that as this straight line, right? When I'm growing in faith, my faith gets closer to God and, and up it goes, this straight line. But look at the life of Abraham. Abraham's life of faith appears to be two steps forward, one step back. Three more steps forward, two steps back. I mean, he's growing in faith. He's getting closer to God, but, but it's up and down, right? It's not this straight line where everything is just going up and up and up, but it has highs and then it has lows. And a high again and then a low again. We see in Abraham's life a picture of faith that sometimes falls apart. 
Sometimes it's less than perfect. So what do we do with that? How do we take this faith of Abraham, a faith that we look at and we affirm along with the writer of Hebrews that here was a guy who was all in, but some of the stories of his life sure don't look that way. How do we take that as something for us, a lesson for us about having a faith life with God that's all in? Now, there's a part of me that... that I'm actually grateful to see this. Grateful to see this because I know, you know what? This guy's for real. Uh, This story's not made up. I know that this story of Abram is for real because that's how real life works. That's how it seems to be for each one of us too, right? That a life of faith as we pursue that has its times as well of bouncing up and down. That you and I have lives where our walk with God, we have those moments too where we would look and say, you know what, I felt the presence of God and I knew his leading in my life and I was firing on all cylinders and moving forward when certain events were happening or around certain things. And then there are other moments, other moments when maybe we look around and say, I have no idea where God is moving right now. I have no idea where God is wanting me to go or do. Or This is not at all what I've imagined a life of faith and walking with God would ever look like, would ever be. We have those moments too. We're not that far off from Abram's story. In fact, we're probably closer to Abram's story than we know. Or give credit. Yeah, I know, we glamorize it and we make him to be this hero of faith, but the Bible tells us the real picture. Abram's faith is probably not that far off from a target of where our own faith lands at times. I take some comfort in that. Comfort in knowing that our life of faith, our walk with God, can show up in some of the same ways. The mistakes that Abram made, the places where his faith fell apart, can be a reminder where, you know what? My life can struggle with that sometimes too. Our lives are imperfect in the faith that we have. Abram's faith was not always linear, and yeah, that's a picture of us. That's something we come to confess and admit to. God, my faith is not always linear. It's not always straight up and up and up, but sometimes there are setbacks. Sometimes there are struggles. Sometimes it falls apart. So, what do we see in Abram's life that pulls him through that that also comes to us, right? That pulls us through that as well. Look at what else happens in these stories in Genesis. And I left some of these passage headings in your notes there too. Some of these things that come before us, first of all, from Genesis 13. Genesis 13, here's where God speaks to Abram. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, Look around from where you are, to the north and the south, to the east and the west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if 
anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. God is restating the same promise that showed up a chapter ago in Genesis 12. Promise for that land. A couple chapters ahead now to Genesis 15. Here's what God says in Genesis 15. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky. Count the stars, if indeed you can count them. He said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. God restates the same promise again. And one more time, two more chapters ahead in Genesis 17. Here's what God says to Abram. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you and I will be their God. You see, here's what we see in these things, right? We see this picture of Abram and his faith, that his faith is not linear. It's up and down and it's back and forth and he has his highs and his lows. Every one of those stories, though, every time that Abraham bounced his faith up and then it hit rock bottom again and then it goes up and then it's down and then it's up and then it's down, even though Abram's faith goes like that, God's promise never changed. Never, right? The same promise that God came and made that we read about in Genesis 12 at the beginning there, that same promise God states again and again and again. And he never faltered from that. Never strayed from that. So even though Abram's faith is not linear, it's up and down, we see a picture here though where God's faithfulness is always secure. That's instructive. That's helpful for us today. It's helpful for us to know that when we come to a place of admitting in our own lives of faith that, yeah, maybe like those New Year's resolutions where I've got all the best intentions, yeah, I'm going to start this week eating healthy and exercising again, and maybe next week that'll still be true. We have all the best intentions. I am going to be all in with God. I'm going to start that faith journey with a fresh start that it's just going to be up and up and up. And yeah, reality for us, just like reality for Abraham, is faith doesn't always go that way. But even in Abraham's up and down, God was constant. The promises of God remained the same every single step of the way. 
that's instructive for us today too. It's good for us to know in our faith that God always remains faithful to us as well. The faithfulness which God showed to Abram is also the faithfulness that comes to us. Maybe that's the real story here with Abraham's faith. Maybe that's the real story that we consider when we think of, well, what I'm calling this series, All In. That maybe the thing we need to realize here is that when it comes to a faith that's all in, it's not really about us, right? But when it comes to a faith that's all in, it's really God. God is the one who's all in. God is the one who said, I'm not going to hold anything back. God is the one who said, you know what, even though you're going to have your highs and your lows and you're going to be up and down, I am never backing down from the promises that I make to you. Never letting go of the covenant that I have with you. That our faith is all in only because God is all in. Right? So we start this new year. A new year where, yep, I know it. We're going to come back in coming weeks and say, all those things I had all the best intentions about, well, they didn't all go the way that I planned and envisioned them to go, but that's okay. It's okay because God is all in, and he's not letting go. He's staying with you every step of the way. And that's what matters most, right? That's what matters most about our life of faith. Not that we've got it all mapped out and all figured out and have all the best habits in place, but what matters most in my life of faith is that God remains faithful. That's the thing that holds it together. That's the thing that makes our faith work. Not all these things that I have to do to step and improve and go, but that we are held close by God who will always remain faithful to us. What matters most in your life of faith is not how perfectly you take each step forward. What matters most in your life of faith is that God always remains faithful to the covenant love he has for you. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the gift of your word and the reminder that we see today that as we consider this new year and all the intentions that we may have and bring into that, that yes, we enter a new year and we may do that in ways that make decisions, that we can say those words, I've decided that I'm going to live a better life of faith this year. I'm deciding to follow Jesus this year, but may we always see behind those words that you are always faithful, that you hold us close, that you are all in on us. We are so grateful for that. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Mm -hmm.